0: This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. My name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today, we will be discussing the Season 3 premiere of the AMC series titled Angelville. While we we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, any future plotlines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 3, Episode 1. So pause and go catch up before you listen to the rest of our episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast on all three of those. And you can tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. And if you enjoy... This show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-P-O-D-N-E-T and pledge as little as a dollar a month to making our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K., who's pledged at the level of $10 per month. Thank you, Jason. Yes, thank you, Jason. I know uh, Joseph, who listens to this podcast, who listens to G- Gone to Texas, is on there as well. So I'm hoping hey, we'll Joseph. get
1: more of a, uh, a preacher discussion going on as well. Yeah, when I saw him jump in the other day, I was like, okay, okay, yes. okay.
0: Yes, and the, the thing is, I do have it split up, so there is the... the uh, no spoilers section there's the show spoiler section and there's the book spoiler section so you guys can chat about the comic <laughs> yeah however much you want and i won't be able to see Well, i can see it but i won't be looking at any of it i was gonna say I'll, it'll just be me shouting into the void <laughs> <laughs> well it could be you and and joseph or maybe if mike joins up or anything like yeah. you know it could ten dollars It's all it takes yeah it's not too bad we would appreciate the money very much we're only nine dollars away from covering our
1: monthly costs wow that is fantastic operating these podcasts so and that's, i mean 10 bucks that's a that's like a lunch basically yeah
0: you could be the one you listening right now could be the one that puts us that brings balance almost in the black <laughs> almost <laughs> there's several years of of, of red tape yeah, but exactly. you know i'm getting close to the point where i'm just gonna disregard all that <laughs> anyway. you're just gonna choose to have selective memory yes this is the... this. I'll, I'll choose a new starting Selective point. economics? Yes.
1: We're, we're so profitable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're profitable if you ignore the first six years of our obser- uh, uh, operation. Yeah. But anyway, oh, well. enough about that. We did get an email from Joseph with his season three, episode one thoughts. He said, man, this is getting so dark. I like the craft on this episode, but I wonder if the show might go too far. There's a risk that Tulip and Jesse might never forgive Cassidy. And frankly, there's a risk that all three of us characters could sink so far that I might begin to have trouble caring about them myself. The show has always developed its characters in in an interesting way. Instead of forward growth, they usually prefer to reveal more backstory for the main three, but it seems like most of the reveals just show them to be more and more damaged and full of resentment and rage. Surely at some point the characters have to have some development and growth or at least reveal some positive backstory. Anyway, I'm glad you guys are back. Looking forward to season three. Joseph.
1: That's uh a fantastic email yeah it actually really hits the nail on the head for how i was feeling but i couldn't really put it into words yeah
0: no and that makes a lot of sense like they they certainly like looking back at the show and how everybody what we've come to learn about everyone especially there's a whole lot of tulip in this episode of course with her in purgatory but the idea that like the more we learn about them is just the the tragic events in their lives that have i can't imagine there's a whole lot of happiness in cassidy's life you no, know
1: <laughs> no not and,
0: i mean no so i i wonder uh i wonder if the show is going to get to a place where they start to have good things happen to them or redemptive arcs or something of that sort not that they necessarily need to be redeemed completely, but yeah i don't
1: I don't recall where Joseph's knowledge base lies in terms of the books, but the the kind of rolling out of their past it feels pretty on par with the books like you you definitely learn more about Jesse and uh, tulip earlier in the book and you kind of, I think you hear you learn the most about Jesse earlier like yeah. which just kind of makes sense because he's sort of your protagonist but Cass is the one that it's kind of near the back end of the book yeah. and you you spend a lot of time in the book getting to know Cassidy and just assuming that he is what he is and he always has been. And by the time you learn more about him later on you're kind of like, "Oh wow, like there's so much more there." Yeah. And I hope that the show goes that way. Like I honestly think like it just it just works so well structurally.
0: Yeah. I okay. hope so too. I'm excited I want to learn more about Cassidy,
1: but. oh yeah, and you and Joe Gilgan is so perfect that it, he'll be he'll be tremendous when they start to do a little bit more of his backstory. but I think uh, what we've gotten so far is pretty good, but I, I do agree that they are it is getting really dark, and in the books, they all have like really traumatic stuff, but they don't really let it define them, which is what I'm concerned like in the book that works so well because you're like they it is a part of them and it does influence them and and who they are but they try to be better than their past for the most part and in the show it feels like they more often are willing to just succumb to their baser instincts and and that's kind of a bummer
0: seeing where season three is kind of headed i think and even the conversation that jody has with jesse about the fact that He looks like you can try and look like your father as much as you want, but you've never looked more than more like your mother than you do now. Right. That to me kind of feels like Jesse left the family to try and be better. And this is maybe his reckoning with like the choices that he made in the past and trying to seal off that part of his past that he doesn't. Yeah, want to be that much of a part of but was forced to come back to right and tulip.
1: and maybe maybe is willing to confront it and try to to deal with it once and for all yeah or or maybe just try to figure it i don't know yeah it's i really like the way the show has set up angelville so far yeah it's it's one of my favorite arcs in the book and i i'm really enjoying it
0: awesome uh i guess here's what i'll ask you he did say i like i i edited as I was reading, he said, I like the craft on this episode, but I wonder if the show might go too far. There's risk that Tulip and Jesse might never forgive Cassidy for the love spell. Is that a book spoiler? No. No. Okay. No, that... Uh, it's implied in this episode. Oh, yeah. I think for that's sure. where the show's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I think that's super
1: gross. Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing I don't love about the show still is the, the dynamic between those three. Because in the books tulip does not like cassidy like really ever at any point and she like she's like wary of him for a while but she accepts him because jesse loves him but then she like starts to like be repulsed pretty actively repulsed by him and is like i do not like him and in the show it's they're kind of tottering more on this kind of friendship kind of understanding because they're you know, you have a little bit of overlap between all the characters like Jesse and Tulip are alike in a lot of ways. And then Tulip and Cassidy are alike in a lot of ways. And Cassidy and Jesse are alike in a lot of ways. But the, the ones don't overlap all the same way. Yeah. So the reasons Jesse is like Tulip are not the same reasons he's like Cass. So I understand that where that overlap is between Tulip and Cassidy, they connect on that level because that part of them, they can't connect with Jesse. Yeah. To. So I understand that the, the kind of symbiosis, the three-way kind of symbiosis, they all kind of need each other. But I wish that the relationship between Tulip and Cassie was a little more like in the books because I feel like it's, I just like the, the structure of a little bit. I like to know where the characters stand a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And the characters in this, although we've been along the ride with them now for two full seasons, they're still a little undefined. Like, I don't know how they're going to react to certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with Jesse because he spent season two in such a murky, weird place, kind of you know, waffling back and forth between goals and and his thoughts and everything that like when this season started, I was like, I genuinely don't know how he's going to react to some stuff, which is, which kind of bothers me three seasons into a show, you know, like that you're not really sure where your protagonist stands on certain things. So I'm sure it's going to get more clear. But it, it is something that feels kind of unique to the show. And the, th- the weird thing is like in, other, in another show, I would be like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> but in this show, because of the, just how bizarre it is and how yeah. unique it is, I'm more willing to roll with it. Yeah. But like I've said in our, in our previous seasons, in the books, like you know what those characters are about. You are introduced to them and you immediately kind of understand them. And although you do do learn more about them in their past and what makes them who they are, you still can say, well, I know how they're going to react to this situation. And that makes you feel like you're part of the gang in the books. You feel like they're your friends or, or you're at least kind of on the road with them. And in the show, you almost feel more like a a detached spectator kind of looking at this all through like a fishbowl. Yep. And so it's it's not bad, but it's just different. And I feel like it is a different experience in the books and it, it was always going to be, but I wish that sometimes we were a little bit more in like the passenger seat with each of them. Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense. So we'll see though. I think this season is going to be pretty telling for a lot of things. Yeah. Coming down the line for all three of these guys.
0: Well, we can get right on with it and delve into our recap. Uh, so this is the show where I was doing it Break by break. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the teaser first. Uh, years ago, we see Angelville in operation, plantation tours, and spells by Madame Langelle, including sober spells and libido spells. A woman named Christina works as a sort of secretary slash assistant to Madame Langelle. She takes a break upstairs to look at a picture when Jody comes to get her for Madame Langelle, but ultimately she tries to run away on a bus. Jody and TC violently recollect her, and Grandma interrogates her. I'll call her Grandma now. Uh, to find out what she's been hiding, Christina swallows something in her mouth, but Grandma cuts it out of her, finding it's a picture of John Custer and a baby. Christina tells Grandma not to not to dare touch her Jesse, and TC asks if they should sew her up, but Grandma says to strap her into the machine. Uh, yeah, so it's cool to get a feel for what actually like happened at Angelville, because mm-hmm. all we really saw last season was like Jesse outside of it trying to lure people in yeah um not that it would have been too hard to like figure it out i you know the Gator tours and whatnot. I think we got a glimpse of last season too but yep, um it's cool to learn more. I guess what I'll say off the bat about the season three premiere is I feel like they answered a lot of questions in one episode, yeah, definitely, like I know where Jesse's mom is or was rather, I kind of know a lot more about their family. We learned that Jody killed his father, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and Jody even seems to be, like, maybe where he learned a lot of his fighting from, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, right off the bat, that wipes a lot of questions that we've had since season one right off the table, and it felt very refreshing to me to finally learn some stuff. Yep. So, how did you feel about this depiction of Angelville in the past?
1: I liked it a lot. It's definitely different from the books, because it's not a sort of tourist- Destination in the books, like okay. nev- it may have been at some point, I guess. But if it's alluded to, it's very very brief. It's oh, it's just more of like this bizarre plantation that yeah. the, that he grew up on. Uh, I like the depiction of his mom. I think she's good. She is. I'm sure we're gonna get more of her. Yeah. But in the, in his mind, in his memory, and in the books, she's always depicted as just like a really like strong caring woman who like you know he lo he like admired so much and uh, i think that she's poised to have a very similar portrayal where you're gonna feel pretty like terrible when when bad things happen to her yeah uh tc and jody are really really <laughs> really good tc is a lot more digestible in the show than he is in the book like in okay. the book you're just like oh <laughs> like you have every to ta- i was gonna say of the two
0: i like tc more he seems a little more earnest and, like, okay. kind of, like, amiable to people, but <laughs> I know that that could easily fall away.
1: Yeah, it probably will a little <laughs> bit. If it doesn't, that's okay. Yeah. If he's kind of the good cop, so to speak, but TC in the book is really gross. He's super depraved. Yeah. And he's uh, he's much, like, you kind of would rather be alone with Jody in the book than TC, <laughs> but, like, that's, like, really not a great choice to have to make. <laughs> Uh, he's definitely got a creepiness to him in the show, though. Like he he is like kind and he's kind of polite, but he's still really unnerving. Yes, like you don't want him to like be the one performing surgery on yeah, you. His comment later about your skin you is tighter than a hotel Oh, sheet. exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I was really pleased to see this episode. I think was both written and directed by Sam Catlin. Yes, no, it was directed. Uh, it was written by certainly. I don't know if it was directed by. Either way, the writing is fantastic in this episode, and I love that a guy who is so known for another series just totally speaks the language of preachers so well. Yeah.
0: I mean, he certainly had some time to get there at this point. Yeah. Uh, oh, you man, know, being the third it. season, but I, I certainly feel like he's taken that. So it's uh uh, Michael Slovis directed this. So okay. he's, he's a breaking pad alum as yep. well, but, um, the writing credit and Joe, was Sam Catlin.
1: Yep. Yeah. As soon as that title came up, I was like, Oh cool. Like, by himself not you know and goldberg and rogan or whatever and it's uh it's very good the script is great jody is awesome and jody was the one where i was like it has to work and it has to be good like tc they could take some liberties with and i'd be okay with it but if jody wasn't jody i was gonna be really upset he's his physicality is really good he's a lot like fatter and like (laughs) dad bodder than jody in the book because jody in the books is like He's a very good like Steve Dylan character. like he's very Dylan face, but he's, <laughs> you, his age is so unclear because he's, he's looked the same like Jody's in, or, uh, Jesse's entire life, pretty much. like even right. when you catch up with him later, like some 30 odd years later, he looks pretty much the same. Yeah. but he is like ridiculously shredded. <laughs> he's got like these just absurd biceps and stuff and they're just, like so defiant and you're like, what is this guy? How does he look like a pro wrestler all the time? And his strength is something that is so like mysterious and near limitless, and he seems <laughs> almost invulnerable. So I was like, as we, soon as we do
0: see him pick a car, right? Exactly. That's so. a little much,
1: maybe. <laughs> like one handed, yeah. with no effort, seemingly. <laughs> I think that that's a little far, but I think in in the books, it's almost more like a, a testament to just he's like he's like steel tough, basically. He's yeah. kind of like Rocky if Rocky was a good boxer, basically. And uh, it's fun in the book because, you know, they they set the tone just based on Jesse's reactions to him. And I think the mm. show does a good job of that as well. Like when Jesse is apprehensive to go talk to him, when he's yeah. skinning that gator, I'm getting a little ahead here, but I was like, that's, that's perfect. Like, <laughs> he's a guy who is established by the way people react to him, not necessarily what he does. And I think it's awesome. Like his, his, his whole look, his ponytail and everything. It's perfect. Like he just is, I loved it. And the scene of them tracking Christina down, like on the bus, the, the shot, the sequence along the bus like that was so good. Yeah. I was like, man, this is fantastic. Yeah. And I just, I missed this show. That was very much that,
0: that feels like it would have been like the full page. Like, yeah. Like the a cars sequence in the front, yep. uh, TC standing up top and Jody mm-hmm. in the, in the bus with her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I thought it was a it was a great way to kind of establish what Angelville was like. I like the kind of that it's a tourist destination and that they're taking money in on that front. But there's also this like secret operation of like these gross like voodoo witchcraft spells and 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 salves and, and yeah. that kind of thing that they're that they're giving to people.
0: Yeah, I should say the sober spell it was revealed the dude getting it was like a, like a congressman. Yeah. yeah, yeah some, con- some
1: type of governmental official that, which I like that angle to show that Angelville could potentially have local influence. Like yeah. they, they have, they yep. have their, their hands in, in certain pockets and to,
0: everything. to, to, uh, I mean, we saw the cops trying to get in last season, mm-hmm. uh, the dude asking to see the tombs or whatever. And just is like, I don't know what you're talking about. You'll have to go across the way, talk to whoever, if right. it was the Boyd's, I don't remember um so to keep their their weird stuff kind of hidden from yep. public view it makes sense
1: yeah for sure i i think it was really cool and uh, grandma is uh is pretty pretty awesome
0: yeah betty buckley so uh we really only see her face uh, i love but do you we- want to talk about like her in general for like her- how do you feel does she embody grandma the way that
1: she doesn't look like i expected but this is a flashback in the, in the comics you don't really ever see her face in the past, but in the present she's like much more withered. She's like really gross. She's another very Steve Dillon creation in the, in the book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's really nasty. She's really, really gross. And, uh, and in the show she's a little easier to look at, but I have a feeling that a lot of it is like makeup and a wig. I think she's got a wig Mm. and like in the books she's like, she's, like pretty, just gross. Like picture, just like a, a nasty, shriveled up old thing, and that's kind of the way she looks. So I think I'm kind of Cassidy's ga- comment about her being ugly. I was <laughs> like, she doesn't. She look. I mean, she doesn't look that that bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I feel like towards the end of the season we might see her like just a as she more, is. Yeah, yeah, and without without necessarily some smoke and mirrors, so to speak. Interesting. But I think that in terms of the the attitude, it's very good. She's a little so far. Well, no, I'll take that back. And she's pretty gross. She's pretty terrifying and and pretty uh, despicable in this scene where she just because she swallows the picture, right? uh, uh, Jesse's mother swallows. Well, and she cuts her open to get it out of her stomach, basically. Yep. Whoa. (laughs) Dark. Yeah. Like she's it's dark in the books. Like the Angelville stuff is some of the like darkest, deepest stuff in the books at least on a personal level, but this right away, I was like, well, this is shocking. Like, yeah. This is extremely for preacher and I, I, I dug it. I thought Interesting. it was pretty representative of it.
0: What did you think about grandma saying to strap her into the machine? Do you know what that's about? I don't think I do. Okay. I might and I'm just not recalling, but I don't think so. I was thinking, I'm I'm of the mind, I, I was kind of thinking it had to do something with the soul harvesting, which I know you, it may, you you, you said it had, wasn't really much of a thing in the books no. anyway. But, that was where my mind went for that, at least. It so. just made me think of the Princess Bride. Is she oh. going to take years <laughs> off of her life? Yeah. It could be something similar. Possible. It could be a life force thing. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Uh, there was also a moment. There's a, a, a moment in the kitchen with Christina or Jesse's mom where uh, just this man comes in. Oh, that was super creepy. And what does he say? Uh, he just... Uh, he says, "I want it back," and TC knocks him over the head. And she mentions something about how, like, how did he, how did get, he get out? out yeah. So that also, to me, smelled of the soul the, the harvesty soul. stuff. Could be potentially.
1: Yeah. That's a good guess. Um, One thing that's unclear to me is how she has a baby and her mom doesn't know. Yeah, that it, that raised an eyebrow for me because I was like, I don't. Jesse's parents and how they met and his whole conception is. It's relatively brief in the book, so yeah. I'm I'm having trouble recalling it now. But, but maybe
0: we we might touch on that. Yeah, they're gonna have to explain
1: because that if that's a surprise to her, then yeah, that, where was she for a year? <laughs> essentially, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> at least nine months of her life. Yeah, Um I do also like it's very it's very perfect like Longel where she's like she calls her like a crazy bitch and then like a second later is like mom you love me and she's like yeah. oh I do love you more than anything like there's because that's the way that the family in the books—it's really bizarre. They just like they that always say, manic. they always say they like love each other and like they they value each other more than anything. But their like tolerance for anything other than what they want is like zero, hmm. and they do some really horrible stuff to each other. The other thing I wanted to—they're s- clearly insane. I mean, we'll just say that up front. There is <laughs> there is zero redemption possible for grandma jody and tc like mm. in the books like these these are not characters that by the end of the season you're going to want to sympathize with or
0: they seem extremely villainous yes they, they are here, and so. if the
1: show tries to make them sympathetic i feel like that's going to be a mistake yeah. because part of the fun of them and their function is that they are like pure evil as far as like humans can can concerned. i think the final scene with grandma kind of lays that track yeah but because you have a lot of different forces in this series, you've obviously got forces from heaven, you have forces from Earth on like the government level, you have like the grail, sort of the same thing. Yeah. And then you have like these familial forces that are all like different kinds of evil. And uh, this is the representation of like how bad humanity can be like how bad families and people can be to each yeah. other.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to highlight in the teaser real quick. There's a moment where uh, a woman comes in with her son trying to get to the plantation tour. Yeah. And Christina runs into them. And she makes the weirdest joke ever. Well, and the so the, the mother says, oh, yeah, he's afraid he's going to not come back or he's going to get sold to the plantation or something yeah. like that. But then Christina's like, "Well, oh, as long as your mother's here, you're OK. Right was very it it felt very weird to me and that seems to be what spurns her to go look at that picture of jesse as well yeah so uh, that kind of like grandma uses or employs children or abducts them or (laughs) could maybe do something with them seems weird and i thought could use a note at least Mm. so all right Act 1, Jesse and Cass make it to Angelville with Tulip, but Jesse can't find Grandma. Cass reveals that he and Tulip had sex and starts fighting with Jesse until TC comes out to them with a shotgun and recognizes little Jesse. Jesse pleads with Grandma to revive Tulip, but she's reluctant to help a betrayer. Jesse offers Grandma anything, and she, uh, she tells Jesse that he knows what she wants. She offers him a napkin and a knife. Jesse cuts his hand open, dripping blood on the napkin. Grandma takes the nap in. napkin, looking quite pleased. Um, I really liked this fight scene that yes. took place
1: out of focus behind Tulip's body. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was very I, good. And I, we just got done talking about how I wanted more yeah. action and more preacher style fighting, and I think this, this really scratched an itch. For sure, yeah. This might have been my favorite fight in the episode, although the fight between him and Jody is really good, too. It is very good. <laughs> it's very this one is more fun cinematically but the fight between him and Jody is like straight out of preacher it's perfect yeah. it's just two dudes slugging each other in the face and like headbutting each other and Throwing smashing other faces into like <laughs> windows and stuff it's perfect like preacher in the book the fights are not glossy they're yeah. not they're not cool and in the show they are really cool so it's it but they are still like within that spirit Yeah. but the the one then at the end it's like it's just perfect perfect yeah. adaptation but yeah this was a really cool fight and i liked the reveal of grandma's like hand in the foreground and that kind of thing like yeah watching them about that i also like that jesse and and uh cassidy body slam each other a lot like they pick yeah. each other up and throw each other which is really <laughs> funny because i'm like i mean they're both smaller guys yeah. which is funny but it's just like it just looks goofy especially when jesse's just because you know cass is more durable yeah and so it's funny to watch him just fling him across the room and that kind of stuff Cassidy probably weighs like a hundred pounds. Yeah, he's probably very light. He's
0: got that junky weight. He's got the heroin, uh, <laughs> the heroin bod. Uh, like the flick of Grandma's hand made me wonder. Like, is she? Uh, was she putting up some smoke and mirrors or something? That like, like I, I, I it seemed weird to me that Jesse didn't look all over that first floor or something.
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. The 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 kind of movement of her hands because she does it earlier in the episode too in the flashback. Yeah, yep. So I don't know. Like actually. I was
0: wondering what that really meant. Like if they weren't. I didn't know what to make of that. She couldn't see them, or or Jesse couldn't see them because she didn't want to be seen, or like I don't know. It just seemed a little bit. Strange.
1: I do. I do feel like it, there's potential in this show for magic sort of to take yeah. a more dominant role than it does in the book. Okay. So it's not. I'm not ruling it out
0: um yeah i guess the only other thing that i wanted to talk about i just like when jesse shoots the shotgun and uh blows up some of the swamp consomme tc's like jesse little jesse that's my swamp consomme." consomme yeah
1: is that in this scene already yeah okay is this uh, this is all the scene also ends with him just for some reason punching tc in the face like right at the uh
0: when 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 grandma goes into the kitchen he punches tc in the face and takes the shotgun from him Yeah, it's funny yeah it just didn't even yeah. be there but it just cracked me <laughs> up and i was like it's good it's preacher well we see we see uh when when uh cass calls grandma ugly tc knocks yeah. cass out with the butt of the shotgun mm-hmm. and then jesse
1: knocks tc out and takes the shotgun <laughs> it's just
0: funny they just keep doing that yeah
1: yeah, there's an interesting uh, display of power in the Longwell family. Like you will see these moments where, like Jesse would have a gun, but won't use it. Mm. Whereas with any anyone else, he would just shoot them and move on. Like he even says the end of this episode, like it wouldn't take much, and she's kind of like, try it. Yeah, and it's perfect, just perfect, establishing the relationship. And, and the, you know, when you when you are a child around certain people, you grow up always respecting, sort of, even if you don't like them necessarily. Or even if you shouldn't respect them. Right. There's still this weird boundary there and this weird, like, kind of tear. And it exists between him and Jody and him and TC and him and Grandma. And it's uh, it's fun to watch unfold. I did also... I was intrigued by the fact that TC takes a beat to recognize Jesse. And it made me wonder how long he has been gone. Because in the books, he really hasn't been gone that long. Okay. He actually it's grandma's idea in the book to kind of make him a preacher. And then he just leaves. He, uh, he runs away. Yeah. And he, I only think it's a few years, like, like okay. less than five yeah. or somewhere in that ballpark. But in J- TC made it seem like he'd been gone for like 10 plus. They're
0: still calling him little Jesse. Exactly. Which yeah. makes me think like he probably ran away like as pretty a teenager, close to where he was when we saw him as a kid. Yeah. In season two, which is so. possible.
1: Although, Mm, the timeline of when his dad gets killed is what's going to be interesting in the show because John Custer in the show is a big big wet disappointment compared to John Custer in the book like already so i feel like he's going to be a very different character so that's one thing i really can't speculate too much yeah. on and that chronology of that is also going to be interesting but John Custer in the book is a is just an awesome character mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like the John Custer in the show is going to live up to it? We and haven't on, gotten that much of him, honestly. If they recast him right now and change his characterization, no one would care because we've only seen him very briefly in <laughs> yeah. season one. And honest, oh my god, the coolest thing they could do is make him John Berenthal. <laughs> that would be the <laughs> coolest thing that that this show could do right now <laughs> is make John Berenthal John Custer because he already looks like Steve Dillon character. Face, yep. Yeah, and he looks like he would have been the perfect Jesse if they were going to stick more to the books because yeah. John Berenthal can. He can be so intimidating and so scary, but he can also be super charming and mm-hmm. like really fun. And he would be the perfect John Custer because Jesse's mental image of John Custer is like the, the baddest, like daddest dad there ever was. <laughs> yeah. Like the most ideal, like there's a, like, there's a big 12 foot statue of a dad in the middle of town. It's like what, how he remembers John Custer and how other people do. And I feel like Bernthal could really, really nail that. Yeah, the John Custer that we've gotten seems a little more like... Uh, He's kind of a bitch in the show. Y- yeah, it,
0: it, just the way that he... Uh, we've seen him kind of... He's also kind of flat. with
1: Jesse more than like... Yeah. Rather than commanding him and like right. parenting him. And in the book, the relationship between them is amazing. Yeah, Like Jesse thinks he is just like the coolest dude ever besides like john wayne he basically thinks his dad is kind of like john wayne okay and uh he just loves him and he would do anything he said and he just like would follow him to the ends of the earth and it's really adorable and it's really sweet it's probably not super realistic but it's like really fun to read and you see little jesse just like wants to be his dad and he wants to find a woman like his mom and he wants to have that same love because they have this just like over the top head over heels romance and he kind of has that with Tulip too, so it's really fun to watch the two generations of, of Custer men like yeah. that. And uh, in the show, like I remember thinking in season one, I was like, This is John Custer. <laughs> this is not this is not gonna work for yeah. me. So they're probably gonna make him very different. Maybe Which is okay. But a bummer because the that like total cowboy character is kind of the way Jesse is too in the books and he's not that in the show, which is fine. But I would love if John Custer was very accurate to the books. And like I'm telling you, if John Brenthal walked on screen as John Custer, I would shit. It'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. But it's not gonna happen, so it's yeah. <clears throat>
0: All right, I think that's it for Act One, uh, unless anything about like the blood offering. We don't really know much about that yet.
1: No, I don't know. I don't think it's too significant other than just like him. He's he's acquiescing signing in to blood, the, yeah. basically. Yeah, on, on the, yeah. the way. The way that shot works though is she like pulls the napkin down yeah. into her lap. Was so cool. I <laughs> uh, mean, the show is so exquisitely shot. I yeah. love it. It just is so. That, uh, so Michael, Michael
0: Slovis is is responsible for some of the some of the best uh breaking bad as well and
1: so that's awesome to this, see it apply in many places is, is big, fight, and in different ways the fight choreography and the and the cinematography in the series is always so good and i always get the vibe when i'm watching this show that it's very 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 collaborative yeah like it feels a lot like i watch other shows like when we talk about westworld and you 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 get the sense that like nolan and joy or joy and nolan they're steering the ship and everyone else is working with them to achieve their goal. Yep. But with Preacher, it feels like it's made by three guys who love the book. And they just say, hey, what's your idea? And like, hey, what do you bring to the table? And like, what are you? Oh, you're a badass at like shooting stuff this way. Or you're awesome at fights this. Like, let's work that into our story. It, it always feels like a big group of artists getting together and, and excelling at what their what their skills are. And really making something that feels collaborative and special. And it's just so fun and so infectious to watch listening to the breaking bad insider podcast,
0: which they have continu- continued for better call Saul. I think all of that comes from the Vince Gilligan school of writer's room. Essentially. Yeah. Like it seems like the way that they run their shows is infinitely more collaborative and thoughtful than, than a lot of the other TV, which is
1: really cool, and it wouldn't work with all shows. Some yep. shows you need, you know, if you have something so like unique and singular as Westworld, you're obviously going to say like, "Wow, this is your brainchild." Like, how can I support you? And, yeah, and get this made. But with Preacher, it definitely feels like they're very open to like they just probably hang out, crack open a bunch of beers, and be like, "So, what do you think about this?" Yep. And you know, there was a, I think it was John Cassavetes, but I could be wrong. Uh, when I was in college, I, I heard about this director. I think it was John, John Cassavetes, who loved hearing other people's perspective on stuff and yeah. they would be on set like shooting scenes. And if he didn't really love the way something was going or if he liked it, but you just like, there was a story about him turning to like a camera operator or someone else would be like, what would you do? Like if you were directing, just yeah. like out of curiosity. And they, he would like, he loved to hear other people's perspectives and try to work it into his own approach. And I just thought that was really interesting. And that wouldn't work for a lot of people. It probably wouldn't work for most. And it obviously disrupts the sort of hierarchical system that uh, movie making is is comprised of. But with a show and something that's ongoing in like long format, it's it it seems like an interesting approach. That, that's always been like the, what I've gotten
0: most out of listening to Vince Gilligan talk about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is that he is a huge believer of the death of the author. Like once it leaves his, his hands, if mm-hmm. someone else reads something else into it, that is equally as valid as that's cool. anything that he came up with. So he's not, it's not a... The way I said it is and what it means is what it means. Sure. So I think that has leaked its way into Preacher as well. Beautiful. Which is awesome.
1: Yeah. It makes it just fun to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, act
0: two, we see Purgatory. It looks like a sitcom or stage play set, all black and white except for the people. Tulip sits on the couch next to a younger version of herself while her mother is prostituting in the next next room. Tulip's father comes home in a jail outfit and tells Tulip he got a job interview and he takes to the, Tulip to the interview and explains that he's going to break the O'Hare family curse for her and that gets him the job. Excited, he offers to go get Tulip her favorite candy. <coughs> Tulip's mom doesn't believe her dad got a job. An adult Tulip tries to tell her it's true but then dad reappears at the door with a bloody apron. He killed the owner of the bistro and now the cops are outside. He forgot the Nico wafers that Tulip wanted but adult tulip says it's okay, and they fire the guns out the window at the cops back in the real world. Grandma can feel tulip is still in purgatory, but soon after death will come to the door. Jesse made a list of things bless you sorry. Jesse made a list of things that they'll need to get her back, and Grandma mentions that she needs some transpoil, so he has to talk to jody is is purgatory depicted in the book anymore? Not really. How do you feel about this depiction of purgatory?
1: I mean, I don't care w- about what it might have been or used to be. This is awesome. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I love, uh, I love it in theory. I love it in, in execution. I think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. The laugh track is what really sold it. It's funny. great. Yeah, I love the laugh track and the the crappy set dressing. Yeah. and the wardrobe changes that it's just like he puts on something over his prison outfit. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting to say that like that's always who he is underneath and he's Mm -hmm. not going to escape that. I think that's really cool. (coughs) I really like the transitions between the scenes kind of. I just, I thought it was great. I'm, I don't like theater really. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but 99% of the time I'm going to to, choose to go to a movie theater and sit in one place and have the world revealed to me through all these different setups and shots. And when I go to a, to a actual stage show, I'm like, well, here's my perspective the whole time. And it's never going to change. And if you know me at all, this is, this makes perfect sense. I mean, based on who I am and and my, and my career and and my hobbies and stuff, but it also doesn't help the theater seats. It's so uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't get it. But I love watching stages represented in movies. I yeah. think that it can be really cool and really effective. And sometimes when I go to plays and shows, I get really swept up in it. And I like this. I appreciate like a really cool set. Yeah. I like to think about the logistics of entering and exiting and working behind the scenes and that kind of thing. But uh, I just thought it was it was really unique and really funny and clever. And it seemed like oh, of course that's how it would be, but it felt fresh. Yeah, I really liked it
0: for sure. No, it's a. It seemed like a very. I've never thought of purgatory in that way, but it seems like the perfect execution. I also really like that we learn more about Tulip through this oh, yeah. purgatory experience.
1: Obviously, yeah, it is satisfying. So uh, we can definitely confirm that her past is fairly. It's it's pretty different from in the book. Okay, um, like the ultimate fate of her father and uh, her child, her subsequent childhood. But honestly, that's it's pretty okay. As much as I love the way it's done in the book. Tulip has been so different from day one with this show that this feels totally fitting. Yeah, yeah and it was it was very satisfying to see done. And it was interesting to see that her dad—he seemed like a good, like not not like a bad man necessarily. You know,
0: <clears throat> it seems like the the O'Hare thing seems like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, the idea that like ultimately you succumb to these bad forces in your life and you're, you
1: blame it on the fact that you've been branded that way since... That you're just living the best you can according to your code. Yeah. <laughs> if we can, uh, you know, have a, have a, cross, Our shows a crossover. Our leaking together, mm-hmm. yeah. But it... I mean, that's one of the most poignant takeaways from Westworld Season 2, and, and it, it, I, it's something I've been thinking about every day since that episode. Yeah, yeah. The idea that we're kind of coded... To be a certain way. We are not programmed, or we don't think we are, because we're humans, but our our genetics and, and our DNA... biological coding, yeah. Is it really any different? Are we just calling it something else? Yeah. You know, you know they always joke that people likely will become their parents in some regard, and mm-hmm. it is funny as we get older, too, to at least my personally to see certain traits of my parents come out in me and when i react to certain things or i say something i'm like oh my god (laughs) that was strange
0: i just filled up my gas uh my gas tank earlier today and i said to nicole i got gas but i'm going fishing anyway and that's the kind of thing my dad would make that joke from like the three stooges of, i got worms but i'm going fishing anyway and i was (laughs) like oh god she's like nice dad joke i was like
1: yep yeah it's it is funny to watch and then this show uh I think we're kind of seeing some of that. Yeah. I mean her dad is I just I loved the portrayal because he obviously is a criminal and obviously is a murderer and like does evil things, but he seems like he really cares about his daughter and he he wants to be better, but he just can't. He wants to break the cycle for <laughs> her.
0: Yeah. He wants to break the the O'Hare curse. Yeah, and but. you do
1: have to take it with a grain of salt that this is through the perspective of a child. That's true she's too. Rem- she's remembering her dad as a little girl. And yeah, clearly her mo- and her mom, and you know her mom's brief two two appearances on screen. Yeah, they, they tell you everything you need to know.
0: Yep, yep, everything you th- you need to know about what Tulip thinks about her mother, at least.
1: Now her mom was referenced by the madam of the brothel in season one, right? Doesn't she say like? That's where the may, connection, yeah, that's may, where the connection I don't, is. I can't
0: remember, but you that makes a lot of sense. Because uh, I think Moe's is the owner of the brothel. <laughs> and maybe that is... But I, I can't. I just can't remember. Well, I
1: think this helps close the, that loop of why does Tulip know this? Why she hang around? Yeah, there. why did she grow up here, essentially, yeah. because of her mom? That scene may have even sort of taken place there. Like, we don't really know. Yeah, that's like, true. That's set. Uh, it was great, though. I loved the shot of the... Young and current Tulip alongside their dad shooting out the window like it was uh it was really intense
0: the moment where Tulip herself tries to interact and intervene with these reenactors, I think like the the two the two moments of like her trying to tell her mom no, he did get a job and then telling her dad that it's okay that he forgot the neck wafer like because he says something like uh why like, can't why I, can't do, I one do one thing, thing right? right. Yeah. yeah, and she like feels the need to like. I, I thought it was interesting seeing where she chooses to
1: like try and insert
0: herself in the situation.
1: Yeah, to defend her dad, and yeah. part of that is also probably trying to defend herself and like her legacy. And people saying, "Oh, you're just an O'Hare." Like that's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way it's presented as though she's she probably thinks she's having a nightmare. She probably yeah. thinks she's having a bad dream because it feels like the kind of thing that you would relive. Like you would have a bad dream where you. Are alongside yourself, and you would try to intervene, but ultimately, no one's going to listen to you because you're you're a spectator in yeah. this scene. Uh, also, uh, it's also a clever way to uh, say that they are in purgatory, but they don't know it because when it comes time to for her to kind of make a decision, like they kind of said, you have to lure them back to the like they have to be drawn back to the living world and make a decision to do it. And she's yeah. like sometimes it's not enough for people, so. By by making it feel like a dream or or like a nightmare, you're kind of removing the idea that if you knew you were in purgatory, you'd be like, "Well, I want to get out of here." You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> or maybe you wouldn't, like, <laughs> like Grandma says. Um,
0: the only other thing I do want to say, knowing some stuff from later in the episode and the fact the uh, the title of next week's episode, "Young Tulip" says, "Let's go get those sons of bitches," which um, season three episode two is titled sons of bitches and it sounds like god got the the subtitles for god when tulip sees god later this episode says get those sons and then it cuts off right and he doesn't even get to the sons i think before it actually changes right so
1: you are definitely supposed to be left wondering what God's what he said command was yeah. or, or uh or you know request what he really
0: meant Because I assume she'll present it to Jesse and and Cassidy and be like, oh, yeah, that's true. Them trying to figure out exactly what it means. But, all right. Act three, Jesse hands Cass a list of Tulip's favorite things and they bicker over her favorite music. Cassidy tells Jesse that he'll kill him if this doesn't work. And he drives off as Jesse goes to see Jody, who we learn is the one that killed Jesse's father. Despite a menacing look, Jody appears to receive Jesse warmly and they head out to the Boyd family to get some transpoil. Jody starts beating the crap out of the Boyd's, and someone almost recognizes Jesse until Jody comes to the rescue, and they drive off with the transpoil. Uh, yeah, Jody, Jody, just wrecking fools is. Oh, it's so sad. Pretty, pretty good. Um, the interesting thing: the first dude that he that he kind of that he hits or that he takes out is the one that walks up to the truck. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that, or if that seemed out of place to you. Yeah, that was weird. But it did seem strange to me. I wondered if it was like the Boyd family, some Boyd family magic or something going on. But um, <coughs> are the Boyds prevalent as like, it? I guess Jody tells Jesse not to get out because he says if someone recognizes you, that would really piss him off. And it sounds like Jesse's exit from Angelville was maybe involved with some type of family spat with the Boyds.
1: Yeah, the the Boyd's I I don't want to commit to an answer yet. Yeah. I think that they're another family in the book, but they're serving a different function in this okay. show. Okay. Um So yeah. I, I loved the Dragon Force reference. It made me that really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: as soon as I read that I was like, That's really good and Nick's gonna like
1: that. Oh yeah. I liked Jesse's statement of you're gonna you're gonna tell me about the girl i've known my whole life kind of thing which is very valid but i also think you know cassidy does also probably spend more time studying her now than jesse does jesse just accepts her and and says you are who you are i know who you are already i don't need to learn more about the way you are now yeah
0: no it's what jesse says is valid but also very arrogant
1: yes and and it's uh it's all they're both arrogant and yeah. they both think they're right and they're both annoying yep like i just wanted to, <laughs> to slap them both yeah uh as soon as he you know the line about the man who killed my father i thought that was good and as soon as he was walking over there i was like he's gonna be doing something with a gator i just knew <laughs> it I was like, he's gonna be wrestling a gator or he's gonna be pulling one out of the water by its nostrils like yep. by himself and i love that he's just skinning one and he looks so creepy in that giant apron yeah he's so big he is God very is big. Huge. well compared to Dominic
0: cooper, yeah who's who's i not he's not diminutive by any means, but he's also like he's
1: a pretty slight fellow, yeah huh? yeah he uh he's huge it's hilarious, I was <laughs> like, is that guy actually that he's probably like six three or six four, yeah, he just happens to be a big fella see if i m d b has any yeah any any vital stats Dominic cooper's probably short, <laughs> like most movie stars are on the shorter side uh Dominic cooper he's probably like
0: five eight. According to IMDb, when this ad goes away, Brought appears to, to be five foot nine and a half. Yeah, yeah shorter than. And then uh, Jody is played by Jeremy Childs, who is who does not have. It's not a listed. On so his, yeah. you know, it's too tall to measure. <laughs> I was gonna say,
1: any guess <laughs> is good. Is valid. <laughs> no one can reach the top of his head. <laughs> to to measure haven't made a ruler long enough. they don't get close enough because he just cracks their skull (laughs) in his hands the idea that someone would walk
0: up to me and hug me with a with an apron full of gator guts is disgusting perfect
1: (laughs) yeah that was actually so he's never he never even puts up the facade of friendliness in the books like okay the relationship between them is very hostile Mm. and it's actually jody's always very sarcastic to him he's always kind of like oh look who it is and you're ready to you're ready to for a rematch kind of thing. Like he's he never even pretends, and I don't know which I prefer. Actually, I like it in the show because I I like the range of the actor. Yeah. Because if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, oh, he's just a creepy uncle who's huge and skins gators. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> but his his true nature is ve- is revealed very immediately. Like even in the scene where he like jumps off the roof into the bed of the pickup truck or whatever, <laughs> and he's like, just like old times, huh, kid? You're like. This would be fun in a different show, but the whole time I was like, No, this is not. I know I know what's coming. Yeah. Uh did you look up what the hell transpoil is? I didn't think it was I, I didn't think I it think was a real a, thing. I think really? it's a French word. Okay. Transpoil, let's take a look. But just a bunch of while you're looking that up, <laughs> uh the hotel I liked that they went to this motel and the idea that there's this family like essentially running like who knows what kind of operation drugs or guns or yeah. or prostitutes out of this motel. And then Jody walks up, and they're right away like, "What do you want, Jody?" And then he just decides to fight the whole place with no weapons. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> and you hear the. I also Dominic Cooper continues to just be the master of of making faces and like reacting to situations. He'll never he'll never have a moment better than season one when he's reacting to Tulip outside the gas station. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> nothing nothing in this series could could beat it. Yeah, uh, but. His His him, right? Micro expression. Him, yeah, him pulling around behind the motel and just kind of waiting and like hearing gunshots and seeing like the glass crack with the gunshots and hearing the crashing and the body landing on the hood. And he just kind of looks like, oh man. It's perfect. Transpoil,
0: I don't know. In French, at least, it looks like <laughs> it's an adjective of some kind, something about making you laugh or something. Hmm. But I, I just took it to be some type of voodoo
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of like creole kind of stuff yeah, flying around sure. so i'm sure there's going to be lots of weird french english combinations yeah but I, I was intrigued when they said that and she he, he she said she needed it and he's like where do i get it And she's like ask jody yeah and so jody has to procure it somehow i don't know I assume we're gonna learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe not.
0: Maybe. It, it it uh I like given the fact that they use it to transport the battery to mm-hmm. uh to tulip it, it it smelled of me of some type of, you know, made up voodoo type Yeah. thing. But
1: we understand. Yeah anyway. But uh, what 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 does he walk away with? What does he put in his pocket? He's just got like a little vial. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Anything else
0: from that? No, it was fun. It was yeah. a cool, cool sequence. Uh, all right. Act four. Grandma and TC tend to Tulip collecting different things from her body and sewing up her gunshot. Uh, and Grandma ingests the things as she recite, recites French Creole incantations. Cass arrives home with the stuff that Jesse requested, and he and Grandma share some scorpion peppers in hopes that Tulip will sense their pain and will want to come back. Grandma tells Cass about a love spell she once used and to be careful what you wish for, but she thanks Cassidy for bringing Jesse back to them and offers him a favor should he choose to use it. Jody and Jesse arrive home, but Jody requests a fight from Jesse before handing over the transpoil. They both get some good licks in until Jody bests Jesse and moves to drop his truck on Jesse, but Grandma stops him and he hands over the transpoil. Um. Yeah, so this is the this is the hotel sheet line that mm-hmm. T C
1: delivers. Yeah. It's good. I'm glad you made note of that earlier Very on. Weird. <laughs> yep. Very Plus weird. Yep. Plus the
0: idea to him that he's like, oh Ho- those hotel sheets are real, real tight. Like, <laughs> how many hotels has TC been in? Yeah, it's like a luxury. He could
1: go to a Motel Six and think he's living the the grand. What's funny is it's a it's an amazing like uh, comparison. Like, yeah, it's really funny. You're yeah. like, oh, because you know a hotel. I mean, there's a whole Seinfeld episode about that, basically like how tight <laughs> hotel sheets are. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was just really funny, yeah. and uh, the idea that TC's like, you know, he used to work as like a hotel reviewer or something. <laughs> I yeah. think that it's not unreasonable to assume that TC, like, sews people into, like, lampshades and furniture and stuff. Mm. Like, he's very handy with a needle. Yeah. Like, I think there's going to be some Texas Chainsaw kind of antics going on. Okay. He's got furniture made of people, yeah, probably. Yeah, well,
0: and he is the one that offers to sew uh, Christina back up in, yeah. the, in the flashback as well, but... Yeah, he's
1: handy with a needle. Yeah. Um. So, good way to establish what a badass someone is when they can eat scorpion peppers. And yeah. And... <laughs> flinch but feel it (laughs) kind of go yeah it's a good one and then you watch a guy who is a hundred plus years old who's probably eaten and done lots we've seen him get harmed in very horrible ways and this is like making him gag want to want to just die on the spot and her having to tell him no gotta hang on to it yeah
0: yeah yeah that's true very cool yeah cool to watch grandma just be like no you gotta take it Mm -hmm. um yeah so this is the introduction of that love spell and I I have to apologize for Joseph I did censor myself there because I was like I wonder if this is some type of comic spoiler in his email earlier but um, to me even though it was put on the table I'm still wondering whether or not Cassidy would use it well and if ultimately that's what he chooses to ask grandma for
1: yeah I feel like he might we might be setting it up for him to choose to save Jesse in an imperative moment Mm. but i do feel like jesse is the one thing that belongs to grandma now essentially yeah he's not going to be able to do that because to for your favor to un to undo what you did by bringing him to them i think would be kind of weird and probably wouldn't fly so we'll see i thought it was a good it was a good story uh that she told yeah great performance Mm -hmm. betty buckley yes so the actress's name is
0: well and the idea that he would that that um we know how much Tulip hates the fact that Jesse has used the word on her. Yeah. So the idea that she would be manipulated by a love potion, like uh, I wonder if Cassidy has the m- mental constitution or whatever <laughs> to kind of realize like that would be the absolute wrong way to go about this anyway.
1: Yeah, and Grandma basically lays that out for him. Yeah, that it didn't work out well. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, Betty Buckley in was also in Split. She played the the psychiatrist. That. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. A very different. Did not put that nurturing together. character. Uh, I I only saw it on IMDb. I had no idea. That's either. cool. But uh, and it looks like she's been in a bunch of other stuff as well. Some Supergirl. Uh, Patricia Arias if that name means anything to you maybe not but no yeah um i she grandma seems like a very well-defined character by the end of this episode oh yeah
1: yep you know what grandma's about
0: yep uh and the only other thing uh as i said earlier it seemed it rang true to me that
1: uh jody was probably the place where jesse learned his fighting moves. oh for sure oh yeah yeah, we didn't talk about that at all yeah this is pitch perfect from the books like I love that. Cause I thought he was going to let him go with it. And then when he's like, mm, like you got to yeah. fight me for it. I was like, oh, here we go. This is perfect. <laughs> now he's like gone full comic Jody. Yeah, he goes to... <laughs> he, I think he would have killed him if he if he could have. Oh, yeah. that's They usually do kind of fight to the death, essentially. Well,
0: and that's, that's what kind of... Like the thing that took it to another level for me. I was like, oh, this is just, you know, the familial sparring. It's like beating up your younger brother kind of thing. But... The, when Jesse puts his head through his truck window, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, they, they hate each other. Yeah.
1: they. I mean, hate. Jesse probably hates Jody more than anyone yeah. in the books. Uh, and because Jody has is, is been such a negative force his entire life. But, yes, J- the reason Jesse is as tough as he is is because of Jody. Because Jody's been doing that to him since he was a kid. Yeah. So that's that's another part of the reason that him staying in Angelville until more of his adulthood is also... A little more effective in the book because okay. you realize like okay if this guy has had to fight jody like weekly since he was you know 10 yeah and he hasn't held back on him like you know now why he is so like rawhide tough yeah <clears throat> yeah it's uh it's it's a really i don't want to say it's a fun dynamic it's fun to watch but it's like terrible it's it's so true to the book that i just loved it i thought it was great and it's a good fight too i also like that when he smashes jody in the face with like the side mirror or whatever yeah he really gets him good to into a state that would knock out anyone else jody just smiles and says better yep like, we've well, gotten better <laughs> you acknowledges how- some progress you're not holding back yeah as yeah. much or you're you are distracted he's like you're thinking about the girl that's in there and, and you're not you know necessarily thinking about what's going on right here yeah it's just funny because you got to think of jody as you know almost like an immovable object like it's not only that he can dish it out because he can he's obviously like superman but he can take it to an absurd degree yeah. like he just there there's a there's a difference between being strong like in terms of output and being able to to take it to take punishment and and to to weather it and still be okay and i think that to me is what's always really stood out about jody i mean he's also it's part of the way like i said like he's drawn in the books you see when he like when he like full on like right hooks somebody you can see all these muscles in his Mm. arm and like okay i get it like that guy could punch through like two layers of drywall and hit you on the (laughs) other side and still knock you out like he can do that yeah but it's also like you could smash a two by four over the back of his head and he would turn around and be like what the (laughs) and and like come at you you know well the i guess to relate it to
0: like massively multiplayer online games the mm-hmm. idea of a dps or a damage per second mm-hmm. character rather than a tank jody's like both of them put yes, together exactly he can take it and give it
1: because like you could see some amazing like boxers and and ufc fighters or whatever that can dish it out but you catch them in the right shot and they're gonna they're gonna drop yep but jody like there's no no weak point exactly <laughs> yeah he's impenetrable <laughs> And uh, it's so fun in the books because you even see Jesse being like, oh, God, like I have to fight this thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he knows that's the thing is like he knows you got to think about how many times he's fought him. And he he's he knows all of his moves. He knows everything Jody is capable of. And yet you still just how do you beat that? Yeah, you know, it's it's great. And I'm sure they're going to fight more than once in this season. And Each time you're probably going to think like, man, he might do it this time. And uh, he might not, or he might. I don't know. I think things might be a little bit different. But it was it was really fun to watch him at least draw blood. I was yeah. like, oh wow, that's cool. Like, I don't think he ever does that in the book. He's the kind of guy that, like, you swing a punch, he's gonna catch your fist and he's gonna squeeze it and like break your fingers, <laughs> and then and then hit you back with your own arm. It's great. It's gonna Beautiful. be fun to watch, especially like I think the the casting is so good. The the actor clearly has has a good bite on what he's supposed to be. Yeah. It's I gotta I I you know, we've had it so many times in a run out with these supporting characters that either the they're handing all the material to these people along with like something they probably prepared saying, here's who you need to be. But the level of direction from both the, the EPs and the showrunners as well as the directors must be just conveying it so cleanly to them. Like this is who you're supposed to be. Yeah. It's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. And I, like I think a lot of it has to do with the selection. Like as you said, the casting, like Pip Torrens he probably saw the script and was like oh i get it and now i'm here mm-hmm. and so for somebody like jody i think it's probably pretty similar the idea <laughs> of this imposing unmovable force probably not the brightest but also yeah. like you know it, it
1: like it's also part of the power of the source material though because they could he could hand him uh what's his name jeremy childs yeah he could hand him six issues and say read these and he'll get it like, yep you can read it and say, Okay, if you're if you're as good an actor as he as he is, clearly in the show, you could read that and say, Oh yeah, all right, I know what I'm supposed to do.
0: And I guess that's the nice thing about this is that it's not as though there are five hundred issues of a comic to go back and pick right. which Superman you wanna be. It is this is who this character is for this mm-hmm. very concise story. Mm-hmm. So Alright, on to Act 5. We return to Purgatory, the cops are knocking at the door, and Tulip gets up to surrender when she notices all of her favorite things are on the coffee table and decides to sit down and eat a bowl of booberry first. (laughs) Grandma mixes a metal potion and feeds it to Tulip with the transpoil to give her a battery in Purgatory, which comes out of her mouth. Jesse starts telling Tulip he needs her, and she can hear it through a phone on the table in Purgatory. (laughs) tulip finally realizes the felix the cat clock on the wall isn't ticking and she put the battery in it to restart it tulip then appears on the road to angelville and runs into god who explains that he has chosen her but we don't get to hear exactly what for because tulip awakens in the real world later that night jesse sees tulip and cash sharing the bed and decides to go down and have some bourbon grandma joins him asking if they have a deal now and jesse threatens grandma but she says she's thought of that she loves him and she welcomes and welcomes him home. Um. Yeah. Once again, just we've already said it, but the 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 mechanics of how Purgatory works and the fact that it works as cleanly as it does. Mm-hmm. The idea that you're there, you have these offerings of like things that they like, and they appear there. Maybe Cassidy held the box of booberry up to her nose or something like that, and. And the phone to like hear Jesse and all of that stuff, I thought worked really well, and it just—it was neat. Yeah, it's there. There are the ability of them to sit down and be like, "We're in purgatory. How do we want to represent what we're doing on the outside world in inside of purgatory?" It feels like a very like almost like Inception of like how do we want to. Influence uh, influence the yeah. lower la- the lower levels of what's going on. Yeah, here from, that's from a good above. comparison. But um, yeah, like the Felix the Cat clock. I one of my one of my friends. um always had one of those in yeah. his kitchen. And everyone like knows knows someone who's yeah. got one somewhere. Totally, but it's never you. No, no, no one can claim that yeah. they did. It's always <laughs> someone else. Does
1: anybody really own? The Felix the Cat class. I feel like you see them in like diners sometimes, yes. things like that. It reminds me kind of of, <laughs> of the fist pumping cat from like uh, Chinese places. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You see them around, and and they're not. Although they are like pretty much the definition of like kitsch, they're still kind of nice. Like you, you kind of see that. You are like, oh, that's nice. Yeah.
0: They, they, they've they've it's the right combination of kitsch and vintage that like exactly yeah. still works.
1: So did they put a battery in Tulip's mouth? Yes. Or did the battery just manifest? Well, itself? it
0: manifested, but grandma mixes uh magnesium mercury and zinc which theoretically i don't know become like it's not necessarily what you would make a battery out of but there would be like a galvanic reaction between
1: those things and she pulls a battery she out. she pulls it. the battery out right what after i that. what i wondered was do you always need a battery to get out of Purgatory? Like, is it always? Is it always the same thing? Is it always? Does f- everybody have a Felix the Cat clock, right? <laughs> or or is it different for every situation? I would like to think it's unique for every scenario. But maybe it's always metallic, maybe. but it's not always yeah. a battery. I was curious I about that. That would be very interesting to explore. What would your Purgatory offerings be like if we were in this scenario with you and we had to gather some of your favorite things. Number one, a wiener dog. Number <laughs> just, two, just a wiener yeah, dog. A,
0: a wiener dog. <laughs> wiener dog. It's just a, it's just a bunch. Of, there's like a wiener dog mug and a wiener dog picture. I don't know. Um, You'd pick up the phone and it would just be your Lizzie barking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a wiener dog, probably like an identity disc from Tron. Um, okay. <sighs>
1: I don't know I guess I should I should probably be answering the question yeah
0: yeah what 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 do you think I don't know that's pretty right on on the table for me that's
1: pretty right on uh probably some sushi like food wise I'm trying to think of like comparable to the show like I don't I don't know what other what's your food item no it'd be an Ernie's sandwich (laughs) a sandwich from Ernie's for sure but you know that's a pretty restricted you know we'd have to make sure Ernie's was open yes that's the trick yes you can buy a box well Ernie's or sushi I guess sushi I think would be good Probably It would have to be a roll with cream cheese on it, for sure. <laughs> it would have to be like a Philadelphia roll. <laughs> the Godzilla roll yes. from uh, from Edamame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the identity is definitely something Tron-related. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of the Wiener Dog ability, but yeah, that's pretty true. It would have to be uh, something Wiener Dog-related. Yeah. It would be really funny that you would see like, all that shit and be like, <laughs> jet jetpack through the ceiling. We, you, we, need you, me. you wouldn't need the battery. <laughs> <laughs> Alex it just be gone. <laughs> I'm out of here. What what would
0: I put on your table? I do uh, oh, music! I have to think. Yeah, it'd
1: be a Chili Pepper song for well, sure. Well, yeah, yeah, it could be a Chili <laughs> it Pepper. Pro- well. It would probably be a higher ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It would probably be higher That's ground. Quite brilliant. No, it would be. Uh, what would be a really good one? You know, this is this is going to be a. We- I think that dozed would be would would be an interesting one yeah because i feel like you'd hear that and it's it's a little more like melodic ethereal yeah i feel like very like violent songs like wouldn't necessarily make as much sense it'd have to be something that taps into like your more emotional Can just side. kind of seep in and yeah not which is why the system which is why jesse thinks like dragon force and all that is an awesome answer yeah like cassidy is more right because i think it needs to be something that taps into who you are like at your core like more emotional yeah. Like something that reminds you of of a more emotional time maybe or nostalgia. Yeah,
0: no. That makes sense. well, and it's funny cuz I was going to say to you like I probably it would probably it could be some Nick Cave or something like that, but um that would be good. The one that came to mind for me was uh god, I can't remember the song. It's been way too long since I've listened to it.
1: A Nick Cave song?
0: It's not a Nick Cave song. The one
1: that I was thinking of uh for you? No, for oh. you i was gonna say other than chili peppers it would be like uh um uh ben folds yeah maybe yeah that's
0: that's that's probably a pretty good good guess there but i the the one that just came into my head as you were talking was there goes the fear by doves Ooh, that's which a, i feel like would
1: be a good purgatory yes removal song oh, i love doves so much yeah whenever i tell people that they're always like who's that yeah They put their stuff <laughs> and they go wow they're really good yeah yeah, there goes the fear is interesting. Actually, Satellites by Doves is mm. is probably my favorite Doves song. I've seen Doves in concert once. Yeah. And it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was at the Majestic Ballroom in Detroit and it was so good and I don't think they've come back to Detroit since. Yeah. And they've been I feel a hiatus. like you would have been like we need to go
0: to this if, yeah, if you did. Yeah.
1: My wife knows she like will say once in a while, like I keep looking for doves tickets, but they've been on hiatus for a few years and they do yeah. say they're all they also get along. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, we'll do it again someday, but if they they're ever just I'm there. Off doing their own thing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, that would be a good one. I don't know that a Twin Shadow song would be the best Purgatory song, but it would be good. Yeah. Nick, Nick Cave would have to be I think the ship song would be a good one for Purgatory. That's an amazing tune. We're basically recommending songs now. (laughs) (laughs) If you playlists, our purgatory playlists. Oh, we should just make a purgatory playlist and and put it on the website. Yeah, should for sure. That would be pretty good. Yeah, songs that would jerk you into reality. Yeah, and tell us yours. Like five top.
0: Yeah, people write in and let us know what your purgatory items are. I want to see. I want to know what Sue wants. I want to know what Joe wants. I want to know what Mike wants. I want to know what all you guys would want. On what would bring you out of purgatory if it were on the table.
1: And, I've, you know, they, they don't have to necessarily follow that convention of something that's emotional and cuts to... Like, if, yeah. if you started playing, like, <laughs> like Battery by Metallica, I'd probably be like, oh, sweet, what's going on?
0: <laughs> well, I guess to come back to, the, uh, to, the, pergato- or to the, the Inception comparison, these are very much like potential totems. Totems, yeah, totems. Yeah, way- I'm
1: trying to think of something physical for myself that you could put there, and I'm actually having a hard time thinking of anything as much as i love like objects and things i'm trying to think of something at my house that would that
0: has that importance <laughs> or that
1: you know there is it. a good one i have this uh back back oh, pff, early 2000s maybe they made these star wars unleashed figures yeah you know what i'm talking about they're yep. like they're like really cool they have a lot of design to them they don't move or anything they're mm-hmm. it's almost like more like a statue and when I was in high school, I saw the Han Solo one, and I was like, "I want that." The so one running bad. up the ramp, running right? up the ramp yeah. to the Millennium Falcon, like looking over his shoulder, shooting back. And I, I wanted it so bad, but I didn't have any money at yeah. the time because we were just in high school. I saw it at the store, and I would see it at the store repeatedly. They had it at the Media Play in Livonia, <laughs> and I, when I finally Ooh. got together like twenty five dollars or whatever it was, and I went to buy it, it was gone. Yeah, this was pre like internet. Because I'm in my 30s, (laughs) and when I was in high school, it it like existed, but it wasn't for. We could tell when you said media play. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's true. Immediately, I'm carbon dated. (laughs) (laughs) So, years later, probably ten years later, maybe not ten years later, years later, I was at, I think it was at Comic Con. I think it was with Willie, probably. Yeah. And I was just walking by a booth, and out of the corner of my eye, I just the (laughs) the corner of my eye. I spotted it and my head just whipped around and I saw it and I just walked right up to it and I, and I had budgeted myself for the day. I was only going to spend like a very little amount of money because yeah. again, I think I was in college and didn't have a lot of money, but I saw it and I zeroed in on it and I bought it and I still have it. It's on my my bookshelf above on, above all my movies and it's right there and I, I think it it just represents like, it reminds me of being like a teenager, reminds me of like a different time, but not in, like a sad way where like, I want to be back there, but just like also being like when I was somewhat closer into it being an adult, it was yeah. something that I had wanted then and I still wanted it and I was able to buy it and like just still enjoy having it. And I feel like if that thing popped in the coffee table, I'd be like, oh son of a bitch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's not a very good, like you have like a sentimental one with like, your dog, like your wiener. Well, <laughs> yeah. But the, the, I guess what that leads me to is like, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, the right answer is obviously my wedding band. I
0: just put that. <laughs> obviously, I was thinking the the like cable ties that you usually have on
1: your wrist. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny. Like, or would that just push you that's into crazy. hell? Or <laughs> Goodbye. <you're going. laughs> like, I don't want to wear. No, thanks. <laughs> no, no. I, it's it's a fun question to think about. But the playlist is something I'm really curious about. Yeah. What people will say because I think the song was a really effective thing. And the what's interesting is in the show, Tulip is already being nudged that way, and. The show doesn't really commit to whether or not the song... It's Joni Mitchell, right? Yeah. To whether or not the song makes a big difference or not. Because I'm sure Cass will be like, that's the thing that pushed her back. I, I wonder if we'll find out if she's like, it was well, the song. Well,
0: I, I guess the thing that like... So she gets up to leave because the, there's knocking at the door. And the booberry is kind of what brings her back. Like, she sees everything on the table. But then she's like, okay, I'm going to have a bowl of booberry before The blueberry is
1: definitely the, the one that gets her to sit down. But I wonder but, what it is. Like, I think the phone... It's fun. It's fun because I can't tell if it's the song on the TV or the phone and hearing Jesse's voice, and I wonder if we're gonna hear like what ultimately was the one thing that made her yeah, say that's like,
0: "True, that would be very. Yeah. That, that could to, be to very know who telling. won,
1: who won the fight.
0: Does she even really remember, or will she be like cognizant of that's purgatory true too, too? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. But um, or if it was just for us,
0: I guess that, that the, the thing coming down to it is like, were those things on the table? I think a lot of them were very indicative of Tulip, for sure. Guns and, like, a little model of her car. Mm-hmm. And she beer. probably liked Jesse Blueberry says, and Jesse beer. says beer. Yeah, but none of them were that sentimental, like, like even the Han Solo action figure or, like, My Dog or something like that. Like, except for maybe the
1: Joni Mitchell. I guess we don't really know necessarily. They are, they are more band. generic. Like, you could just put a stack of Blu-rays for me or, like a guitar a random guitar would it have been
0: more potent i guess if
1: there was something that was like Varen. oh this is tulips and that's a great point we're we're digging too deep maybe it needs to be more maybe maybe less specific specificity specificity is better yeah well uh, i think
0: either way of like could jesse could it have happened like was there were there items that jesse could have brought that communicated more directly to her of like would it have been here? more effective yeah yeah or for us, is it like, are those not good for some reason and we wouldn't want them there if we were in purgatory? Yeah.
1: Do you feel more like it's a dream? Like, does it feel more surreal if suddenly like your favorite whatever pops on the table and you're like, oh, that's weird. This is yeah. a weird dream. Or is it like a just painting like a backdrop sort of? Yeah. I still don't know what my food would be
0: yeah i was trying to think of one but you'd like you like so much different you're not like me you don't you don't go to you don't go to ernie's every saturday you can't like eat oh i guess i would get you a blimpy sandwich you'd probably get that you a would be really best. good blimpy bust yeah
1: that would be really good that that's, would be yeah but, you see i would know it's you that's yeah. the thing it's like oh alex is somewhere alex is there or a, a, a chicken uh, a chicken strip pita from big food yeah with, with a side of chili fries that would, big uh, ranch bottle, yeah. Yeah, the bottle of ranch. <laughs> then I'd be like, Where's Willie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was really cool because it, it does, it's almost played for like a, a laugh. It kind of is when Jesse's like, Get her favorite things beer, blueberry, guns, dra- dragon force <laughs> guns. Yeah, but it, like, it's true, it kind of paints the 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 picture of tulip, you know. It's it's uh, it's yeah. cool. Uh, um, it was good. I loved all the purgatory stuff, absolutely. I also like the way when she puts the battery in the clock, it just like the wall starts like peeling away. It's pretty cool. Uh, But yeah, I
0: guess God is the other big thing that we should talk about. How do you feel about God being in the dog suit? I know that you said because you you have in season one, I think you are quoted as saying like the first appearance of God in the in the comics is like, you know, it's God. Oh, yeah. it's very. It seemed like something very vivid and present in your mind, at least.
1: So, so this, this does pretty much line up with the first, quote-unquote, on-screen appearance of God in the okay. books. It happens in pretty much the same context, except God is the one to bring Tulip back to life. Okay. He does it. In the show, he's like, it was someone, it was another, but I'm here to talk to you. I actually like it a lot more than I thought I would because it's so creepy and and (laughs) surreal and I I, and i understand that you can't you can't just show god like i get it i get it because how do you how do you cast that how where do you begin even the voice i was like i want to look it up but i I don't start with mark harrelick is where you (laughs) (laughs) start obviously yeah i was gonna say something about him we were talking about the show (laughs) casting i was gonna they nailed mark (laughs) harrelick uh (laughs) I mean, other than Michael Wincott, you know, who do you uh, immediately cast as God? <laughs> or uh, or uh, Morgan Freeman or you know, all the other people who played God. It's always like really funny. Charlton Heston from... Uh, have you ever seen the movie Almost an Angel? No. I was just talking about this movie to my uh, my father-in-law and, and he had never seen it either and I was describing it. And he was like, it sounds really funny. And I was like, I watched it when I was a kid, like a good handful of times. And, uh, and I thought it was great. And I looked it up later on IMDb and it has like a 5.8. And I was like... <laughs> Maybe it's not that doesn't mean anything. First of all, yeah. but maybe I was like, maybe it's not as good as I remember. But I was thinking more and more about it. I was like, no, it's an awesome movie. It's really really funny. But anyway, you know what? I think you have brought it up previously. Probably, I think you actually have. It's one of those weird movies. You could you <laughs> throw you can throw that in my purgatory: a VHS <laughs> of Almost an Angel or or Crocodile Dundee, any Paul Hogan movie, <laughs> pretty much will do. I'll just get Paul Hogan. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <coughs> Paul Hogan's on the phone, <laughs> Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, anyway, Charlton Heston plays God in that. It's really funny. uh, No,
0: like... It it doesn't feel like, to me, a choice to not want to show a representation of God. Like, I don't think they do it out of respect for that religion. No, 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 no. no, Because it's not like anything else in the show has done that. But I think for it to be weird and... Different and unexpected. It seems like a fine
1: choice. I think. I think it's a combination of that, and I don't think the the apprehension to show God is out of respect. I think it's because it's daunting. Like, who yeah. do you cast as God? Because it has to live up. Even if you're not a religious person, the 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 idea and the mental image of the Christian God is like you understand. You would have to understand. Like, yeah, that's a hard role to cast. Oh yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason he's usually just a disembodied voice because personifying it or a light above yeah like right yeah or just a hand like in monty python (laughs) uh i thought it was awesome though i i loved the surreal imagery of like the dalmatian suit like sort of revealed behind a tree but sort of partially covered, but like just weirdly positioned like they didn't put him smack in the center of the road which would have been very striking and cool they put him like off to the side and he's like kind of in the trees but kind of not like everything about it i loved i was mm-hmm. like this is really cool it felt <laughs> comic booky and uh I, just lo- I, don't know, I thought it was good i like the voice i don't know who it is i don't really care to know i, I don't know i don't I know, know if it, it's knowable if but you can find yeah. it yeah i was curious i liked that it was relatively regular it doesn't it's not super deep and booming it has it has an and a kind of quality to it yeah but it sounds kind of every man which is the way to go with characters like that like the uh the casting of Dr Manhattan as of Billy Crudup as Dr Manhattan in Watchmen was so effective because his voice he just has this really interesting everyman voice with this like quality to it that is yeah. that is awesome.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> there is somebody credited. Okay. Is He's any-
1: credited as God (parentheses) Man Dog. So I wonder if it's the person in the suit or the voice or both. Is it anyone we know? Is it a is it a known? I I don't
0: know him. Okay, (sighs) but the idea that I could show him to you, I know, would be like, oh, it's that dude who was in an episode of MacGyver or something else. (laughs) Like he's he's not been in. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it
1: for myself. I'm gonna look it up eventually. Okay, but anyway, I I I thought it was great. I like to. So they they do hint at the way he appears in the book because in the, in the book he's basically this like glowing, he's always glowing. Okay. Like you can see him casting light on the rest of the scene. And yeah. It's really cool. And they kind of, it gets there right at the end, right? As he's speaking and like the eyes, lit, starts to, he yeah. starts giving off this golden like light. Yeah. I think that Tulip might actually see him in his real form for a second. And we just don't. But in the book, yes, Tulip does die. She dies at Angelville and God brings her back.
0: I could also see them using the man dog as like they they know or suspect or at least Jesse knows or suspects that that was actually God at yeah. this oh, point, point. Yeah. and so that could be him choosing to 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 introduce himself that way so that she can lend credence, so that Jesse can like could hear about it and know that oh you did speak to God that's true
1: so. <sighs> So yeah, we I, could still eventually work towards a more. Yeah, It may also be that God's true form can't be viewed by yeah. people. He has yeah, to was, put himself in some that too. sort of. Yeah. I think in the book, that's why he appears humanoid is because people will understand that. But he, we are supposed to be made in his image. So yeah, he must look like a man. Uh, I don't know if it's a book spoiler so much as the message God gives Tulip in the book. I think I've talked about it before. He just tells, he tells her to tell Jesse to stop trying to find him. Mm. Like he has an opportunity in Tulip dying to say like, Hey, I'm bringing you back. And she's like, Oh wow. And he's like, but you got to tell Jesse I'll bring you. I'm doing, I'm doing you a solid basically. And I'm I'm helping Jesse. I'm going to bring you back, but you have to tell him to stop trying to find me. I don't want to be found. And in the show, that doesn't seem to be the point of his bringing her back. Or he he does not bring her back. He's talking to her. He's kind of catching her in between and saying, "By the way, you have to." I'm putting you on the this path. But in the in the book, it's very it's very apparent. It's tell him to stop. I don't want to be found. Leave me alone. So uh,
0: his words, he says. Uh, she says, "God, you brought me back," and then he says, "No, that was another. But now that you, Tulip O'Hare, are returning to life, I'm counting on you for something very important." Something to help me fulfill my great design. You have been chosen," she says. "No shit," and then he says, "Listen to me carefully, Tulip Hair. I want you to get those." And then it cuts off. the The subtitles do say "sons." I could imagine it being like, "Get those sons of bitches off of my tail," or something like that. That could be, but
1: I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. In the book, it's very it's very clear, and it's it's almost comical because he's kind of like leave me alone like I don't it has nothing to do with the grand design he does though when he it's kind of like when the angels first appear to Jesse they appear like magnificent yeah and they they they're bellowing these things about the glory and the whatever and he's like cut the shit and they are reduced to within. they all come just yeah yeah and, and they're like okay and they get to the point and they speak very frankly and I feel like God does try that at some point he tries to like say my grand design and, and he makes it very flowery but really he's like just leave me alone I yeah. don't <laughs> It'll be curious. I'm, I'm just happy that he... I'm happy that this exchange happened. Yeah. It's different from the book, but I'm really glad that at least we have contact with God now. That's that's one big thing I wanted. I didn't expect it to happen this early, but it makes sense because this is when Tulip is coming back to life. So yeah. I'm glad they did it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say particularly about that last act, uh, Jesse and Grandma's like final interaction there, him threatening to kill her, essentially. And her being like, you think I haven't thought of that, but, um, I don't know if it, it I'm sure it came across in the, in the primer, but I, I felt like season two led me off a little bit. Like I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily excited for preacher to be coming back. Sure. Some of that had to do with the fact that it was an overlap with Westworld and mm-hmm. that it was just going to complicate life a little bit. Yeah. We're a little fatigued right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Exactly. I haven't had like a week to recharge or whatever, but I feel like I'm back in. Yeah, I feel oh yeah. like they fed me enough of what was still lingering from the first two seasons that I am ready to ingest more and understand what's going on and, and kind of dig back into it again. So I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy with this premiere.
1: I agree. I think it's a. Uh, it's kind of a. Sp- it's not a. God, this show's fascinating. It's not a slow burn, but not much happens in the episode. But yeah. all of it is good. Mm-hmm. Like I liked all of it, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't want anything more to have happened because if Tulip was back to life fifteen minutes in, that would be fine, and we'd be moving on. But at the same time, everything that happened in the, in the episode was very strong. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it at all, and I'm. I'm happy that. We are down to ten episodes a season now because I feel like even though yes we are already ten percent in, I really like what it did. And not much has happened, true, but Tulip is back to life. We learned a little bit more about her, which makes the first two seasons a little more satisfying. We got to talk to God finally, which is really cool. We got to learn about Angelville. We got Jody and TC, like two major players in the book that are perfectly represented, I think, in the yeah. show. Uh, we got some cool action. We got some some good jokes. Like it, honestly, it was a really well well rounded episode of Preacher yeah as as far as the final scene goes uh there isn't a lot to say but i think that the dialogue is just terrific i think mm-hmm. the performances of two of them are very good i don't know what to make of jesse's expression at the end if it's one of like <clears throat> i guess it's probably good that it's unclear because he should be feeling a lot of feelings right now both a little bit <laughs> yeah, of yeah she and tells
0: him welcome home and then he kind of like rolls his eyes and and it just seems a bit like a like an oh god, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, either. and that's
1: probably the best way to describe what's happening. And it, it is him coming there willingly in the book I guess not willingly, or in the show, I mean. It's not necessarily willingly, it's the only him way. Choosing
0: to, to go there rather than choose Cassidy's route of make her a vampire.
1: It does speak volumes yeah. about what how he feels about vampires, basically. Or the idea of her being some
0: He'd rather go back and deal with this backwater family it has
1: then Conf- face his past yeah yeah and the most dangerous people he knows really yeah i am really excited to see i feel like in the, i didn't watch any sort of next week on i don't know if there is i didn't one.
0: either I, there's probably one out there I th- yeah
1: they usually play one with the credits but w- i was watching on the app so i didn't see okay. it either. i'm gonna guess that most of this season if not the entire season takes place at angelville which See
0: that my, my kind of concern is that next episode we will probably have like Graham McTavish is still in the main credits, mm-hmm. and Coletti's still there. Like the, I'm wondering if next episode is like here's what the Grail and and uh, here's what the Grail and Arseface and uh, Saint. Saint are up to
1: right now. You could be right, and what I mean by that is that Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy will not leave Angelville. Okay, their story will take place there. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to cut away to other stuff too. Yeah, but. Yeah, based on the credits, it looks like Hitler. It was working at like Starbucks or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Again, <laughs> I'm a little wary of the whole Hitler storyline being a part of a story. But I'm yeah. I'm open to seeing where they take it.
0: Yeah, like part of me is wondering if uh, this the like the Saints' mission thus far will probably be to retrieve at least Hitler, if not also. Because well, uh, the Saints back in Hell, right? Eugene,
1: yeah. They have the opportunity now to kind of do with the saint what he did in the books prior to being unearthed by uh the angels and if they do that i'm really in for it interesting because the the reasons why the saint is not he's not in hell when they find him when they when they retrieve him in the book to do their bidding yeah so the reasons why he's not are very funny and uh and pretty cool and i i wonder if that's what they're gonna do in the show now we'll see but i'm excited to see where the other characters are at but i my back to what i was gonna say was that i think that the whole season is gonna take place there and i think i'm pretty okay with that for once i I kind of like the momentum of the book that they're not in one place for too long but they are there for an entire arc in the book and i feel like for a season it makes sense especially with 10 episodes if it was 13 in angelville i'd be like How much more can we really do? And even for six... I mean, a comic book issue is relatively short. It's only 32 pages. Yeah, And so six whole issues there, although in in real lifetime that would be six months if you were reading it at the time it was being released because I think it was coming out monthly. Uh, If you sit down and read all six issues, it doesn't take you long. You can do it in an hour. So... I hope it doesn't run too thin, but at the same time, five episodes wouldn't necessarily be enough.
0: Yeah, and maybe maybe they'll build in some... Uh, I mean, I guess here's the thing, is that I don't really know how this show is doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if season two was growth over season one, um, but it, I guess it could go one of two ways here, and maybe they they... They have a plan of, like, all right, by the end of episode seven, maybe we'll have an idea if we have a season four or not. And they can either, like, have three episodes build to the next season or they can have three episodes build to, like, what they would want the end to be. Yeah. And I hope it continues because that's, it, that's it, actually it seems very... like there's a lot of ways to go.
1: That's a very real fear. I actually hadn't thought about that. We were talking about if Westworld were to get canceled after season three. Yeah. Preacher can't get canceled until it's done. Like it just can't. <laughs> it's it's too good of an adaptation for it to end prematurely. Like someone will have to rescue it. And AM, I feel like AMC's pr- pretty good about letting the story play out, yeah. even if it's not. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. Like Breaking, or at breaking least, Bad took a while to get to
1: where. Yeah, or at least give them enough notice to be like okay season three happened we're we're gonna do one more but that's it and let them adjust the story to close it down i hope they would give them enough notice and not like okay season three ends and like you know what we're just not gonna bring it back it's done yeah that would be heartbreaking yeah uh but what i was gonna say uh in line with them being an angel of the whole season i i think they are going to be and okay. what i'm really curious to see is how the grail plays it into gets that. gets into <laughs> yes how they show up at because if we have a jody Versus Grail fight scene—it's going to be hysterical, and probably really cool. I because in the book the Grail is an element in the story, but the the Angelville arc is pretty early. I think it's I guess like, I think it's like issues thirteen to eighteen or something like that, or nine, whatever it would be. Wait, maybe is, is it issues six to twelve? No, it can't be that early. Maybe it is. It's very early, so the Grail isn't quite as dominant a force in the story yet in the books. So. The Angelville story kind of takes place in its own little pocket, which is fine. But in the show, that's obviously not going to work. So yeah. I'm really excited to see so if, they, if mean, they have like a booby trap swamp and stuff like well, that. Well,
0: my my kind of thought, or after you saying that and thinking about everything we've seen, is like, what if what if the Grail is Jesse's way of getting out of Angelville, getting out of his it could be contract, but. You know,
1: I think that can wait and see. Angelville is pretty considerable force, and I think so is the Grail. Yeah. And watching those two, <laughs> with Jesse and Company caught in the middle, Gators eating Grail men and <laughs> it, it, it very well might, yeah. And uh, just Jody fighting in a small army of them, like it, it's it's very possible. And then the Saint is probably going to get back into the mix too. Mm-hmm. And if we have this giant four way conflict at Angelville it'll be spectacular. Cuz that does happen a few times in the book where several of these opposing forces Come collide yeah. in the same moment and it usually only happens for an issue but once in a while it happens for like two or three issues long and it is so much fun. Yeah. It's always the most fun when the saint is there. He is the element. He is the ultimate like OP. He's one guy. Yeah. So like you can have all the might and power of the grail and we do know the all father is in this season. Yeah. So if they do spend, you know, Five to six episodes in Angelville, but then they end up closing out the latter half of the season with the All Father. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a lot of episodes. It actually shouldn't. Uh, But uh, I'm just excited to see where it goes because these are all my favorite elements are starting to come into the show now, and I'm just happy that we've already had two seasons and we're going to have three. It
0: feels good to
1: be excited about it again because I feel like with season two, it was a little bit of, you know. Season 2 is a weird season and, yeah. and it's interesting cuz I feel the same way about Westworld like I I you you get used to the rhythm of the first season and then the sh- both shows changed mm-hmm. in their second seasons and they're not bad but they almost they might both be suffering from a little bit of like a sophomore slump kind of thing. Well,
0: and the thing about Westworld at least is they had several years. That's true. To workshop that material and then to go and say they did get like a year and a half this time around to, to put season two on after season one. So they did get a little more time to figure it out. Like I, I, I get it. And, and I wonder if Rogan and Goldberg kind of had like, if season one was just kind of like, this is what we want to do with it. And then season two is where like the writer's room came into more of a, like, I don't I got, I, I'm just talking out of my ass here, but like, Oh, that is how you're doing that, <laughs> upside down in your chair. It's like um,
1: season two did feel. Both season twos felt like some growing pains were going on. And at the same, t- I, I would say, on a personal level, I feel like season one is more Westworld, whatever that means. Like, you know, if you can, if you can, distill Westworld down into like a into a series of like themes and feelings for you. I would say season one is the more Westworld season to me. But Preacher. I think it's irrefutable that season two is more, is more preacher. preacher. Season one is like the primer. Yeah. It's like a 13-episode like long build. Yeah, and 10. 10, okay. And uh, three already, I'm like, this is so, so, so preacher, and I, I think it's fantastic. It's good. I'm just really, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm ex- really excited again. Because this week I was kind of putting off watching this episode, and I was like, I'm going to get to it, and I, I wanted a couple days down to like not have to think about you know, a podcast, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm really excited now. And, and it's it's kind of nice that we're doing this one so late because I get to watch the next one. Yeah, tomorrow. Really soon. So that's exciting. <laughs> the day after, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, though. I know uh, if anyone is curious about Lance's thoughts. Yeah. Lance is our sometime co-host from season one. I th- was he on all of season two or most Not of it? Not all of it, but, but he was on of several it. of them, yeah. Lance did text me early on. He's a he's a fellow reader and, and big fan. He also, he and I, during season two, when we would wrap recording we'd be talking outside about Jody and DC like it just kept <laughs> coming up and uh we kept saying we uh, we wanted to see Michael Shannon play Jody mm. which would have been really good and maybe a little bit more comic accurate but i don't know Jeremy Child's does lo- his face does kind of look like like if you google like preacher jody you'll you'll see and you'll be like okay i get it like he does kind of look like i remember when i saw his headshot i was like oh totally uh, he just needs a yeah. ponytail but uh for some reason, Michael Shannon... We just both thought Michael Shannon would... He has this kind of steely look to him. I could see that, too. And we thought it would be good, but... I could also see, like, Christopher Maloney. <laughs> yeah. this picture. No, it's least. true. He definitely has this kind of just weird, weird, unique face. It's it's very Steve Dillon, but it's also different. But, no, Jeremy Childs does look a lot strikingly like him. So, again, they continue to, to do really well. But Lance was really looking forward to them, and he, he actually watched this immediately. I think the night it aired, and he texted me, and he was like, I really... He really liked it. He thought Jody and TC were really good. And he said kind of the same thing I did, where he was like, TC is tamer in the show than in the books. But he, he thought it was, uh, it was very appropriate. And he said, let me just say, Jody is perfect. TC is a little bit milder for television, but we haven't seen much from him yet, which is a very valid point. And I said, it's hard to go full, full TC. <laughs> so we'll see. We will see if they do.
0: Yeah. The show has shocked us before, I believe. So, you
1: know. Absolutely
0: it could come
1: around but yeah we can't ever think anyone's at face value necessarily yeah.
0: so uh yeah i i do apologize this did come out later than we anticipated but it you know the the podcast grind it's real it is real so uh we especially are, for alex i i would like to plan i guess we haven't really talked about this but i would like to plan to try and, and record on tuesday nights at this point uh because i don't have live amc and i know you don't either i believe right Uh, i do not yeah so so we will at least need to watch it the next night and i gotta watch it twice anyways so um but yeah so that is the plan going forward uh we're excited season three is going on and uh hopefully you guys liked it please make sure that you write in you can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com that's the letter g Number two, lettertpodcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, all your favorite podcatchers. We're g 2 T podcast on Twitter, and you can email us, g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has shows about video games, horror movies, FX's, The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld to find out more about these shows as well as how to support the Midwest Podcast Network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.